Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jan Roos, and I am here today to get very granular on one of my favorite topics, which is closing business. And I'm going to get granular to the point of actually talking about the close within the process of the consultation, within the process of your entire marketing process, which is a very, very important time. And it's not something that we've spent too much focus on the episode, but um, it's something I've been thinking about quite a lot recently. So I'm always trying to educate myself in terms of different stuff too. Like, you know, I'm sure that most of the people here are reading books on business, despite being good at business. I always love, I cannot read enough books about copywriting, marketing, sales, that kind of stuff. And this was not my favorite figure in the sales world, but I heard a lot of good things from a lot of people I respected about this book. So I ended up picking up The Way of the Wolf by Jordan Belfort a couple months back. So Reddit digested it, been talking about the kind of concepts within with some of the teams internally at KCL. And while I don't agree with everything that Mr. Belfort says in his sales method, there is a very interesting part that I ended up taking with this, which is what I want to share with you guys today. So one of the things that Jordan Belfort says in his sales method is the sale does not begin until you hire the client say no, which is kind of an interesting perspective. Prior to reading this book, and I still believe this, by the way, I think the best defense to an objection handle is preempting it by addressing what it is that people are asking you about and building that into your process. And I still believe that's the case. So we will get fewer no's when we're following that. But this whole perspective has really given me a lot of leeway and given myself permission to explore objection handles past the point of stating one's price in a way that doesn't necessarily feel bad. One thing that I want to kind of bring up too, and this is a point that I've kind of mentioned in other episodes too, your mental frame around dealing with these things is very important to being able to explore them. So in this instance, uh, I used to look at objection handles as something to avoid a symbol of a process that had been fouled up somewhere along the line, but um, basically giving myself the permission to really kind of explore what happened. I've actually found more success, both for myself and members on my team, than uh, I really expected after just kind of, you know, tapping out and saying, hey, well, whatever, it's an objection that's not worth dealing with. So that was kind of the big frame that I took from it. And, you know, he obviously has these really interesting processes as far as like, you know, looping and all this stuff too. And I don't think anyone should be doing the kind of stuff that they were doing at uh, whatever it was, Stratford and Cannon or something like that. I don't know what the name <laughs> For you guys, say if you ever saw Wolf of Wall Street, I'm not intending that anyone is going to be finishing their legal consultations like that. But that is not necessarily a black and white kind of situation. You're not either, you know, selling somebody until they slam the door in the face or not handling objection overall. And this is a concept that I haven't really talked about on this podcast in quite some time, but it, it's something that I kind of call the gray zone. So if you want to take an 80-20 distribution, right? I always used to say this all the time before we ended up getting a little bit more into, this is more when I was telling people on how to think about leads, but you've got 20% of your situations uh, in terms of people that are walking into your office that are absolute laydowns. You know, you could have graduated law school the day before and you would have been able to close that deal. Similarly, you have 20% of your consultations that are impossible to close, like the best closer in the entire world would not be able to close that person. And 
I've found that success over time comes with how people deal with the 60% that's in between. And, you know, it's kind of a similar situation. You can kind of apply that logic to a lot of different things within the marketing and sales process overall. But let's talk about that from the objection handling kind of perception, right? So we're not going to say that, well, this person raised an objection, so they weren't qualified or whatever. You know, that doesn't necessarily put somebody in the 20%. We know for sure they're not going to be in the 20% of people that are begging to give you their money. Actually, there is something that Jordan Belfort says some pretty similar things in the book, too. He calls these like, you know, you got to appreciate, uh, he calls it a lay down sale. You guys might've heard that term before. I didn't make that one up, but you got to appreciate the laydowns when they come, but you can't expect them to happen, right? So you have to have some salesmanship, but it, essentially the 20% of the people that are just going to give you their credit card or sign the check or write the contract are going to be your laydowns. So how do you go from 20% laydowns to 80% of laydowns plus the 60% or which is the 20% plus the 60% that you might have a shot of closing. And this objection handling thing is, is kind of one of these things too. Now, I mentioned this earlier, I kind of differ with the methods that he uses, but there are some interesting concepts, which I've heard elsewhere that have kind of fit into like, you know, my whole understanding of sales too. And one of the situations that I've been really trying to impress on, on my team and the people that are on our closing consultation calls within our case field program for estate planning attorneys is this concept of extinguishing objections. So there's a certain type of person. I think everyone has this machinery within their brain to some capacity But there are some people that I like to kind of visualize that these people have a mental checklist. And if we can tick, let's say just hypothetically, this person has a mental checklist and there's 10 things that need to be checked in order for them to make sure that they're able to be comfortable with making a decision moving forward. Sometimes based on how you communicate and the fact pattern, whatever is going into that consultation, you have a situation where somebody who was not a lay down close in the process of how you were explaining yourself, you ended up ticking all 10 boxes before it got time to talk about the price. And if all those boxes are ticked, then you're not going to have any resistance when you end up hitting the price at the end of the day. Sometimes, and this is where the, the art and the science kind of come into play, you maybe have seven of those boxes ticked, but three aren't. And if we have three unticked boxes for those, you know, high fact finder due diligence type people, they're not going to move forward until those three boxes are ticked. So what I want you to visualize when you're kind of thinking about this in your next consultation is how can you get to what matters for that person? And how can you explain away what that happens to be? This is the extinguishing of the objections. The first thing that I think is extremely important in this process is going back to something I record a whole podcast about a little bit different context, but active listening. So one of the situations that we've seen, and and this is something that's super frustrating for me when I'm uh, like, I'm listening to calls with our sales team is sometimes we'll have an objection handle to something that a problem that wasn't asked. So if somebody says, well, yeah, you know, I'm really concerned about, I don't know, the ongoing price. And so it's like, well, you know, honestly, you know, we've got a really, really great back office for this support's incredible. That's a mismatch. Somebody said one thing and we ended up having an objection, which might have worked for another client, but it's not necessarily the right objection handle. And then, you know, you want to think about this in terms of your services, obviously, as well, too. It's just easier for me to kind of come up with these as examples. But In terms of active listening, we have to hear what people are saying to us and we have to address those things head on. We can't really sidestep any sort of objections. And again, there are objections that will ultimately disqualify somebody from working for you, right? 
you know, one of the things that's super common is, you know, pricing objections, right? Oh, I don't have the money, right? Sometimes this is something that doesn't actually mean they don't have the money. Maybe they don't have the money in their, you know, their checking account, or they don't have the money in cash in their wallet right now, or, you know, in their front pocket, or you get the idea, right? So if we get one of those things set up, then we've extinguished the excuse. Somebody says they don't have money. We say, well, hey, look, how much you have in your credit card? Oh, I got $20,000 in my balance. Is that something you're willing to spend? Yes. Well, then we've extinguished an excuse. So that's one of the three boxes that we maybe needed to tick. And if it was the last box, then that's basically what we need to get the sale. And you got to keep continuing asking these things. I have to say from what we've done in terms of reviewing our own sales. So one is not really active listening. The second thing is not asking probing questions. And, you know, this is a really good kind of uh, algorithm to kind of determine whether somebody's at. So it's, you know, we always try to try, understand what people like or dislike about the solution before we introduce the price. So that should actually deal with a lot of those boxes before we also have the, you know, the, the dollars and cents hanging over somebody's head. So that's something that we always recommend. But separately, you know, here's kind of a little decent way to do this. All right, cool. Hey, look, so outside of the price, what do you think of the system as a whole? And if they're hundred percent of the system, then we actually have a price objection. In that case, again, it doesn't necessarily have to lower your price, but we have to extinguish the excuses around that and how they're going to end up getting that paid. And there's a million ways that we can do that. But at the end of the day, sometimes it's not a pricing thing. Sometimes it's a decision maker that we're dealing with that's outside of the picture. Sometimes there is an actual problem with the solution or they're not sure how something's going to work, but really the only way that you can get there to ask. So basically the actual kind of details of how you end up getting there is going to be, you know, determined by like how good you're able. And, you know, first of all, to be able to ask for the question, you have to be willing to hear the, the answer no. Or a lot of times people don't ask the question and just tell themselves, yeah, it sounds good. Well, we'll talk to them later. They'll get back in touch. Never happens. But um, you get the idea. So um, when you find yourself in the situation when you're in an objection, you got to basically, you know, keep that mental map in mind, right? There's some combination of things that this person is worried about. And if you can attack them one by one, and you can get through them. Sometimes it's one objection that's holding them from moving forward. Sometimes it's four or five. I've had situations where, you know, I've had to, you know, this is this is kind of where I've had a lot of fun with this. <laughs> I had situations where I had to go the 10 or 15 minutes into the close and, you know, address like four or five separate things. And I'm getting to the situation where I ended up walking away with a W. We might have had to go through a lot of these different things. And if I wasn't in the position where I was just, you know, saying, oh, well, this is an objection. I messed this up. Oh, you know, better luck next time. You know, we never end up getting there. But um, if you can eliminate all the uh, the excuses that somebody has to moving forward, you'd probably be surprised about who actually ends up moving forward. So just a concept to think of at the end of the day, think of your objections in terms of the invisible checklist that somebody has in your mind. Keep this in mind your next consultation moving forward. And um, as far as the listeners go, I will see the rest of you guys back next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern on the Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode. 